Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all things Web3. Excited today to have the CEO of TrustCheck, Rick Pellegrini. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me here. Excited to be on. Yes, and I'm actually excited to talk to you about security. A lot of listeners don't know this because I don't talk about it much, but I actually spent over 10 years in and somewhat in the security space in the domain name industry, working with Fortune 500 companies, trying to protect the digital assets, which is funny they actually use the term digital assets long ago. And you'll be surprised how many don't take it seriously. So uh, I like talking security. I did it for over a decade. And um, in the Web3 NFT space, you know, you got not you guys, you know, it's been in the headlines, security. Um, and we'll get into that. But before we get started, give us a little bit about your background and how you got into the space. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, uh, my background, so prior to founding this company, um, I previously worked at AWS Data Exchange, which basically an AWS service that facilitates the exchange of third-party data in the cloud. And then prior to that, where actually I met my two co-founders, worked at a company called Rapid SOS. And Rapid SOS, amazing company. Basically, what it did was, it, it, it and what it still does, is it takes data from Apple and Google. When you call 911, it takes that location data and transmits it to 911 centers across the country so that emergency responders can find you faster. So again, you can understand a little bit about the DNA of like the founding team. So it's myself, with uh, the VP of engineering and former co-founder and CTO of Rapid SOS. Uh, very much, you know, that sort of trust and safety, protecting people. Um, sort of one thing I think we really wanted to continue to focus on. Um, and that was a little bit. So we sort of went our separate ways. I went to AWS for a little bit. And then we came back together um, to really like get on on this mission to make Web3 safe for all. So that's really a bit about the origin story of, uh, of the company. And then, you know, we're also big into data. A lot of helping to secure Web3 is going to be about data, predictive data, et cetera. So we felt like it was a big opportunity, a real customer problem that uh, so many folks had in the space and just, you know, felt like something that we could work on for, you know, hopefully decades of our career. So that was a little bit about the origin story of us. Yes. Yeah. H- how did you get inspired? How was your Web3 and, and NFT experience? Do you have any do you, any that you love and enjoy yourself? Yeah. Well, well I mean, look, you know, it, it's interesting, actually. So um, my... my um, I've been talking about NFTs for a long time with my wife, who is actually in the art space. Um, she okay. is, uh, you know, so, so we, we've had, you know, many debates, uh, you know, at the dining room table about what are NFTs, how significant are they, et cetera. Um, and I think that sort of piqued our interest pretty early. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would say like we're, you know, I'm pretty conservative, so I wouldn't call myself like a, a heavy NFT trader by any stretch of the imagination. But um, I think we we really got interested in, Things like NFT provenance, NFT transactions, how the current ecosystem works, I mean, really how you do this in a decentralized way. So uh, as a founding team, we got just super interested in the technical problems behind that, how folks were getting scammed, what was occurring, um, and, uh, you know, really felt like there was a lot that we could solve. That was kind of the, you know, again, the impetus for, for going after this big project. So, yeah. And yeah, the, and the project itself, TrustCheck, I actually downloaded it, installed it myself. And I was really surprised how user friendly it was. I was prepared to, you know, take out my ID and type in all my information, emails and whatnot. I, I found it so simple to use. I downloaded it and it started checking, you know, I did some mock transactions and it worked fairly easily. It, it, that was one of your core goals, I'm sure, just to make the onboarding process super easy for like Web2 folks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, our company... I mean, the, the mission that we say is make Web3 safe for all, right? So, and by all, we don't just mean experts, right? And and so right now, even if you're an expert, it's still hard to avoid getting scammed. But 
we want to make products and we want to, you know, and again, through our, both our B2C products and our B2B products, we want to make sure that as many users as possible have access to this tech that basically can protect them from scams because a lot of these scams are, are just really highly preventable um, and do that in a way that is just, you know, so easy to use that you don't need to know anything about crypto. You just have something that is, you know, working on your behalf while you're entering into these transactions to say, okay, does this look okay? Does this not look okay? And issuing you a very easy to understand warning whenever we detect that something's off. Yeah, a lot a lot of users don't realize you know, the implications of being your own bank, right? Having your own assets. And I'm sure there's a lot of vector points where people can get scammed. Can you tell us, uh, we can probably talk for days, but how big is this problem? Is is it happening, you know, to a majority of users on a daily, uh, um, for companies itself, platforms itself? Because give us some sort of, you know, summary of what's going on out there. Yeah. So, so, I mean, what's really interesting is, and, and this is, you know, when we first started looking at the space, something that really intrigued us. So you have a lot of energy that's been put, to, that's been focused to date on things like smart contract security audits, preventing hacks, um, and these kind of like, you know, large level exploits for hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, those get a lot of headlines. Um, but a real gap is what we like to call end user security, which is basically People, you know, it's a combination of user interface, user experience, and customers basically doing things that they don't intend to be doing. Um, and so we've interviewed at this point around 250 scam victims. Um, and actually, we, we went through and said, okay, how did you get scammed? How did this occur? Um, and really, you know, these are, are what I would term sort of micro scams, right? These scam, these are not going to get reported in some, mm-hmm. you know, massive report, et cetera. Um, and what was, you know, and, and so we think that, you know, I mean, again, it's hard to say. In terms of the aggregate population, how many folks have been scammed? But these micro scams where folks are losing $30 NFTs, $1,000 NFTs, you know, not, not amounts that make headlines, but affect so many users, we think is like, again, the biggest barrier to end user crypto adoption long term. So, um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, and, and I'm happy to walk through also some of the mechanics and some of the things we check for if, uh, you know, if you'd like me to go a little deeper there as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, you to your point. Uh, it just brought it a lot of memories back. <laughs> Personally, thankfully, knock on wood, I haven't been scammed yet. I have been rug pulled, which I saw on your website was a definition of a scam, which you can't really track, right? You can, well, I guess you could track the project before you mint it, but mine's was rug pull after like three weeks, you know, so there was no way yeah. I could have known. But to your point, I had friends message me saying, Joe, I got scammed for a thousand. Like it wasn't monumental, like $10,000, but it was like $1,300. So to your point, a lot of these don't get raised and it happens on the daily. So yeah, talk us through yeah how you know you are even trying to help the average person through this through you know the uh, the extension which I briefly mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. So so the extension does a few different things. Um, so the first thing about a, tra- a a transaction when you are purchasing an NFT or really just interacting with anything on chain, right, is actually looking at the transaction message and seeing what that transaction message is going to do. So that's sort of the first part of any like user protection is running a transaction simulation. And that transaction simulation occurs on a forked version of the blockchain. So basically, um, it's not, you know, nothing's actually occurring, but it, it, the, the proper sort of balance changes and, and where assets are being, are being transferred and very critically, which approvals and permissions are being granted are all easily displayed, are all displayed to the user. And then you have a warning if there's something potentially unsafe. So those three things are, are sort of your baseline um, is running that transaction simulation because a lot of the way folks actually end up getting scammed is, for example, they'll sign a, a request that transfers mm-hmm. set approved for all permission. And that's one that's one permission. There are a bunch of other ones as well that 
um, that, that, that folks can mistakenly transfer. And that effectively transfers the permissions to manage the assets that are in your wallet on a given smart contract to a counterparty wallet, right? So if you sent me a dangerous transaction request and I hit and I, and I signed it, you could just take all of the NFTs immediately that were on a given smart contract and then transfer them out to the wallet of your choosing or basically do whatever you wanted with them. Um, other scams allow you to work through a specific smart contract to, for example, take an NFT, list it for $0 on a marketplace, and then that, that and then automatically purchase that NFT back for zero, effectively giving it to the scammer for free. So there are those transaction mechanics is, is really part one of, uh, of what you need to worry about. Now, the second thing is looking at all the entities that you're interacting with, right? Because transaction, some scams, I'll give you a really interesting example. What we noticed is that some scammers, what they ended up doing was instead of doing set of proof for all transfers or things that, you know, are known dangerous, what they would mm-hmm. do is actually make the mechanics super simple. So it would just be, you go to an NFT site or a mint site, you click a button and all that button does, it just transfers out a couple ETH from you to another wallet. Now that mm-hmm. in the context, like it's hard to detect that as being a scam in the sense that it's just a wallet transfer is a perfectly legitimate transaction. But if you know that it's in the context of an NFT mint site, for example, that shouldn't mm-hmm. be the case. Like you should be paying a certain, you know, you should have a certain price and you should be getting something back in return. So analyzing that context is where sort of, I think we, we try to take it to the next level and what helps really prevent a lot of scams. And that's looking at the website that you're on, looking at the wallets you're interacting with and looking at the smart contracts you're interacting with all through that transaction message. So that's sort of what our, um, that's what our extension does. And also very critically, what our APIs enable businesses to do on behalf of crypto businesses to do on behalf of their users. So in effect, once you've looked through all of those and said, Hey, is this a scam wallet? Is this a scam or is this a malicious or vulnerable smart contract? Does this mm-hmm. website have any scam code on it? Um, you get a really comprehensive understanding of everything that you're interacting with and hopefully more confidence in your transaction uh, in the event you want to go through with it. Yeah, to your point, uneducated users is probably one of the main aspects of being scammed. Like you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't be transferring the, a different amount of Ethereum if you're minting an NFT. Um, and knowing that to knowing not to approve that transaction. However, even myself, I don't consider myself a sophisticated NFT uh, collector, although I, I've collected hundreds, if not even thousands of NFTs to this day, but I still cannot read a smart contract or know which stem from malicious sites or bad actors like you can. So it's definitely helpful to have a level of security beyond just the eye test that I've been through, you know, uh, uh, through my years here in the NFT landscape. And the question is, why hasn't, you know, platforms, you know, took the, the lead here? They, they, they see they have these transactions due to their smart contracts. Uh, and why don't they warn us? Like the company, like a MetaMask, for example. Why don't they? Why haven't they implemented that? Yeah, I, I mean, so this is you know so this is where we think things are really headed, right? So when we, when we think about our when we think about our product offering, the B two C extension is part one. But long term, like similar to antivirus in Web two, where you know people don't generally purchase antivirus software anymore, right? You, you think that it's included in your Chrome browser, you expect it to be included in your operating system. So long-term, we expect these capabilities to be in all the big wallets, all of the big NFT marketplaces, all of the platforms and, you know, that really are facilitating end user transactions. Um, in terms of why haven't they taken the lead, I think you see varying degrees of sophistication depending on which platform you're looking at. Um, I would say that, you know, one thing that, that a trend that we've seen recently is, of course, like with, with you know, the recent uh, obviously price fluctuations in the crypto market and, and, and really, you know, since, um, uh, 
you know, since things came down a bit from their all time highs, like folks are really focused on, um, make like they don't have the same resources that they did previously. Mm. Right. And they don't have the resources to think steps ahead and, and dedicate a security team. Because I mean, you know, our whole team, we spent, you know, we spend our days living and breathing these, these threats and really figuring out how to, how to address them. And it's taken us, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of time and effort to really get up to speed and make sure that we're, we can stay one step ahead. So I do think there is a need for those solutions to help these organizations more easily implement those. Um, and then also too, you know, I, I do think you're seeing, you're starting to see certain organizations um, upping the bar with respect to the security checks that they have. Um, but again, it's, it's an ongoing battle, right? Cause what'll happen is, the level will increase of anti-scam and then the scammers will take the next step and then we'll have to take that, that next step to keep combating them. And so again, it's this constant almost arms race to, uh, to, to develop the most sophisticated tech. Yeah, definitely this landscape is going to evolve and, and there's going to be more interesting scams coming out with more, you know, hopefully uh, security layers to, to help us with that. Is there any set kind of points of, uh, um, threat that we should be aware of besides, you know, the ones that you just mentioned, like signing the, the, the smart contract incorrectly because the UI is not, you know, showing it in an easy way. Like we know what we, the biggest threats are out there right now. Um, and in the domain name space world, one of the biggest inefficiencies is just, you know, user uh, approving the wrong contracts, right? Like when you can, you can put all security protocols in place, but if um, an employee is not trained correctly, they don't have 2FA. And we've seen this, you know, with, um, even the board ape Twitter where they, you know, sent out a scam and people thought that, Hey, this is an authentic, you know, announcement mm -hmm. from, and take, pick any project. It could be board ape, it could be, you know, CryptoPunks or whatnot. Uh, and so those are kind of the instances where even if you have the best security, it's going to get bypassed, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well actually, so what's interesting. So like one of the APIs, and this is an API that, that we really focus on is the website checker, right? So for us, mm -hmm. you can basically, you know, any company can send us an API or, or excuse me, can send us a website and then we basically run it through our API and send it back to them, you know, in, in, in hundreds of milliseconds and basically say, okay, is there drainer code on this site? Is this a scam site? Is this been reported mm. as a scam site? Et and run through all of those checks. And that's one that really applies everywhere, right? It applies to social media platforms. It applies to discord. It applies anywhere that someone can post a link and have a scam. Cause what you'll see very frequently, especially in NFTs is you'll have folks that will, wash trade a given collection, right? In order mm -hmm. to increase the popularity. And then once it gets into a top list, then they'll swap out the URL and then for a scam URL and then get a bunch of folks to go to that scam URL to try and mint an NFT or claim an NFT. So URLs are a major, mm -hmm. and, and, and websites in particular are a major threat vector. And that's something that we look at all the time. So I think a piece of advice, number one, if you are if you are trading NFTs, if you are um, interacting with mint sites, et cetera, is be very, very certain that you're on the right website because that's like that, that's the first scam vector. If you can be sure that you're on a legitimate NFT marketplace or you're on the legitimate mint site, um, mm -hmm. that's going to go a long way towards protecting you. Um, that would be thing one. And then thing two is just, in general, scammers really prey on FOMO. They really, really try and put time pressure on folks and say, all right, I need you to do this very quickly or else you're going to miss the opportunity to mint. That is always a red flag. Um, and, and look, unfortunately, sometimes FOMO is a very effective marketing strategy too for legitimate sites. But um, really, that you know, in terms of two very kind of like obvious things to think through, one, make sure you're on the right website. And two, um, you know, whenever someone's really pressuring you to do something or, or trying to emphasize FOMO, always think twice about it. 
Well, that's tough because uh, that's a driving factor in marketing. <laughs> I know, I know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it is really tough. I mean, I mean, some other practical tips, by the way. Um, you know, definitely. You know, whether it's Trust Track or another, you know, wallet protection extension, those things. Can, you know, those are of course very helpful in thinking about it. Uh, sorry, in in terms of flagging potential issues that you may have, and then also see one thing I like to do in particular is check like do the links work in in all directions. So what I mean by do the links work in all directions is does the website link to the social media profile that links to some other third-party source yeah. that then links back to it and just trying to establish as much of a chain as you possibly can to make sure that it's not, you know, one, you know, one letter off uh, or has a, you know, the, the website has a dash in it when it really shouldn't, for example. Those are all things that um, are very frequently used. And actually, again, one of the things we, we look for is uh, we, we call them actually twisted URLs where basically if they have slight derivations of popular, of the most popular NFT projects, you know, uh, we will also flag those. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. Not to FOMO, double check links coming from the domain space. I know that a domain, even a real one, could be hijacked. <laughs> We've mm, seen this yeah. with Google, with the, with the Syrian army. We've seen this with sites. So I, what I do is I tend to miss opportunity more now than before, and and it's fine right now. The times, you know, not as exciting as it was back in twenty twenty one bubble, uh, and I will wait for. Many people to mint uh, an NFT or to purchase NFT on the site before I go and do it. Now, if I don't get one, it's okay. Uh, I'll wait. Um, but I just know that domain names could be hijacked uh, very easily, e even authentic ones. So it's a scary world out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there any oversight here? I know with in, in the space of domains where I came with, there's a lot of you know security acts like GDPR. There's a California Protection Rights for Data. Um, is there anything that's going to be put in place with all, you know, I guess that I guess the entities like DApps don't own the information for consumers, so it'll be hard for them to regulate. But is there any oversight coming for this at all? Yeah, I mean, so not to my knowledge, but the, the like our stance on this. I mean, obviously, we believe in the power of decentralization, having a decentralized world. But I do think too much of the regulatory scrutiny to date has not been focused on protecting end customers. Like, I, and if you think about like what a lot of consumer protection legislation is for many, many products out there, right? Software, hardware, you know, physical goods, whatever it may be. It's really about protecting those customers from scams. And right now you have so many people that end up getting scammed. And these are, you know, these aren't things that like fall into the gray area. These are like, we can prevent scams if everyone offered transaction simulation. We can prevent scams if everyone were actually, you know, pooling data and resources and making sure that, um, you know, we were keeping folks away from bad URLs, bad links, et cetera. So there are, um, I do think actually a lot of very interesting things that, um, that legislators could potentially do to protect customers in this country. We haven't heard much of it right now. Much of the focus obviously has been, you know, in a post FTX world about sort of uh, mm -hmm. um, different issues. But I would, I would really like, again, we really feel strongly that unless these protections get put in place, it's going to be very hard for mainstream users to adopt crypto just because it's, it's too dangerous. Like you don't expect, yeah. you know, I mean the, the equivalent right now um, and the example I like to use is like, imagine if you called up, you know, pick your top stock broker, you know, company, whatever, you know, Fidelity, mm -hmm. others, et cetera. And you said, hey, like, I would like to buy a stock. And then they told you, actually, well, actually, the stock you attempted to buy wasn't real. And by the way, all of the, <laughs> all of the assets in your bank account are now drained because of the oh fact that gosh. you attempted to buy that stock, right? Like, that's the, that's the state of the world right now 
for crypto and users that are self-custodying. So as we see more of a trend towards, I think we're going to see a trend towards more self-custody, of course, in the wake of, uh, in the wake of, mm. you know, the failure of some of the more centralized players in the space. Like these protections are going to be really critical to having a healthy and functioning and vibrant crypto and NFT market more generally. So. Yeah, I, I was, I had a thought where I, um, wanted to trust these entities and I did for most, a, a, a large part. And, um, and, and this can happen with, to your point, uh, with stock traders, actually, like, like Bernie Madoff or even corporations, right? Exactly. Um, so hopefully the second wave of, you know, um, these exchanges are, are trusted and learned and um, we can have, you know, some oversight with them that will protect us, maybe like an FDIC of sorts <laughs> at minimum. Um, but yeah, that's, that's something that I'm scared of. And before NFTs and the whole crypto world, I never had to pay much thought to this. And just a general question here. I see a lot more NFTs in the headlines than, than crypto wallets. I know you mentioned, you know, protocol is getting, you know, um, infiltrated, but how come we're not seeing headlines of individuals having their crypto wallets trained? Is it just not as uh, prevalent over there? Well, I, th I think it, it is, it is just as prevalent. I do think like NFTs, I, I would say have such um, have taken up such, um, I guess, what, mind share in general, you know, in the general population, just because they're things that are, I would say, you know, and by the way, for great reason, because NFTs are really cool, like, you know, for, they, they've sure. taken up a lot of like, you know, a, a lot more headspace there. So when you see something like, you know, Kevin Rose losing his couple million mm -hmm. dollars of NFT, I mean, everybody, you know, everyone was freaking out, freaking out about that. Oh my gosh, Kevin Rose, I can't believe that, you know, this guy lost his NFTs. But those types of things are probably happening, ha you know, are happening very frequently in the crypto space generally. It's just that if it's nondescript money versus, hey, here's, you know, here are mm -hmm. these assets that I lost, right? I mean, how many, for example, art heist movies have we seen that just are, you know, that, that are fantastic uh -huh. that folks love? So I would say NFTs, that, that's sort of part one. And then part two is that um, you do have a lot of interaction with NFTs that are occurring on websites right. that are separate, right? Whereas like a lot of crypto trading does occur in sort of these kind of like walled garden type of environments where mm. some of the same things that can happen, like your wallet getting completely drained, um, you have less of an issue there. But with NFTs in particular, like if you're going around to different mint sites, that's a huge threat factor. Um, and so I think that's why you're seeing a lot of, um, a lot of NFT scams in particular. But again, you know, the biggest, the biggest, if you look at, you know, crypto theft, et cetera, like, by far, the biggest stuff is not going on. I'm forgetting the exact numbers, but you know, many billions have been stolen or, or laundered in, in crypto NFTs. I don't think the numbers anywhere close to that. Um, so it's you know, proportionally, NFTs have much more mind share, despite in aggregate probably having slightly less in terms of, uh, or sorry, a lot less in terms of aggregate volumes of funds. Stolen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's way more volume in, in the crypto worlds. Uh, I'm just surprised. To your point, there's way more touch points for NFTs and, and more yeah. vectors where bad actors can come in, for sure. Uh, and I, for one, had to learn, thankfully, not the hard way, but coming from domain name security, um, I learned to kind of protect my assets a little bit better. We, we kind of segmented in a domain world. You know, there's SSL certificates and DNS and there's DDoS attacks and then there's domain names itself. And then, then there's the employees, which is the biggest risk, right? Yeah, <laughs> so I always cool. see myself as the biggest risk and I have seven hard, well, it's like hard to fathom how many bank accounts I have, you know, <laughs> holding Absolutely. my assets, like, like four or five of them. And it's tough to keep track of everything. It's so hard. I can't see 
common day people coming in here and doing this, uh, uh, I don't know, putting a more, you know, uh, of their, their hard earned money into, into what we're doing now, because it's just so hard to use. Yeah. And also too, I mean, that's, what's also interesting, right? So like hardware wallets protect you against losing your keys, right? Which is one, you know, issue that folks have or giving up your keys, but these other scams are at transaction time, right? So even if you have mm-hmm. a hardware wallet, you can still yeah. just as easily get scammed as any, as anyone else with a software yep. wallet. Um, so it, it's just a really interesting, I mean, obviously hardware wallets are, are great and more secure generally than software wallets for, for other reasons, but still anytime you're entering into one of these transactions, um, it is potentially dangerous. So it's one of these things where I, I would say, and by the way, we've had folks like, uh, I was talking to someone who said they have, you know, a, a particular sort of, uh, DeFi trader, NFT trader, et cetera, who just has like a massive spreadsheet of all their wallet addresses and trying to, you know, segment mm. hot wallets, cold wallets, et cetera. Um, I, I do think, by the way, like for folks that are trading more heavily, segmenting your wallets, making sure that you have hot wallets and cold wallets, because obviously at the end of the day, if you're trading with a wallet that doesn't have that much in it in terms of value, there's a lot yeah. less risk that you're going to lose a lot of value. So that's just like one other broad point. If you're considering trading these things heavily, definitely, you know, have a, have a good strategy in terms of how you're going to do that. But um, but yeah, it is, it, it is very hard for, you know, again, the end user, even for experts to manage these things. So, and that's actually interesting from a product perspective, we, you know, we've been thinking about that too, just like, how can you make it easier, not just for the one wallet management, but for the multi-wallet management of all these security. Yeah, it definitely, there's articles out there, threads out there. I wrote one, actually, you, you at minimum need three wallets, you know, just a minting one short term, a midterm weekly or monthly, uh, uh one where if you utilize that you know, more frequently than a cold storage one, ones that you would never touch. Yeah. And it surprises me that someone like a Kevin Rose, I guess he's just too rich, right? He has like 60, well, know. you know, hundred, hundred thousand, basically has houses in there and he doesn't care to, you know, sec, uh, 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 spread out the risk there. He's just like, it's fine. <laughs> just put yeah, it all in well, one well, hard yeah, wallet. Yeah, like they're spreading out the risk. And then there's also like, I mean, like, you know, he, he has an, a team of security experts, right? That can help him with this stuff. And he still fell victim. So again, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, I really like, I, like we really do believe, I mean, we kind of bet the company on this thesis, right? That like end user security, this topic of end user security is the biggest barrier to long-term crypto adoption. Like a lot of the headlines aren't with aren't with it right now. They're with, you know, FTX and these more centralized entities, but self-custody and end user security is, you know, is going to be to us what makes or breaks crypto, you know, both in this country and I think globally. Because also too, you know, a lot of the, the scam victims that we spoke to, um, it, it wasn't just folks in the United States, it was international. So some of these folks were losing, you know, a couple thousand dollars, but they're, income was, you know, between 10, 20, 10 and $20,000 a year. So like, these are like mm-hmm. significant financial investments and losses um, that, uh, you know, it, again, that the space needs to correct. And, uh, you know, I, I remain very hopeful we can all come together and, uh, and get it done for our end customers. Yeah. Well, thank you for putting a progressive step forward. What, what's the <laughs> next iter- iteration of uh, a trust check? Uh, I know that you're working uh, strictly right now with Ethereum. Uh, um, yeah. What's what's next? Well, so we work on Ethereum and EVM compatible chains as well. So we're, um, so I think next for us, um, I I think, you know, we have a lot of very interesting product ideas around how we can, so so one of the main things with blockchain that's tricky, obviously, is that there are no take backs, right? So something happens on chain, it occurs, there's no centralized Mm -hmm. entity that can say, oh, you know what, we messed up that trade for you, we messed up that transaction for you, we'll, you know, we'll make it right. Um, So Really, you know, I, I won't preview too much, but we are looking at ways to 
you know, effectively insulate users from risk, uh, you know, in, in a more, uh, in a way that can effectively, you know, mitigate some of their losses when they are, you know, in fact, entering into these bad transactions. So we'll see. Um, that and of course, more machine learning work on in particular, our smart contract detection, website detection, uh, and, uh, and other API models. Yeah, that, that's definitely very, very helpful to have at least the website detection in my mind, uh, because I work, I came from domain space. There's so many hemoglyphs that, you, you know, they, they use a Latin script and it looks exactly like the site. Um, and there, I'm surprised there's not a, um, a browser, not crypto based that just detects fraudulent phishing sites that, I mean, that should be out there. I'm sure there is one out there. I just don't have, maybe I should download yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the thing is that they, 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 they definitely are like, I mean, if you, if you look in Chrome, like it will help you from certain phishing sites. But the thing with a lot of these NFT scams in particular is they're very quick, right? So like what they'll do is they'll last for a week, they'll last for a day. So it's not, you know, it doesn't, um, it doesn't necessarily register uh, to them. And then by the time, you know, X, not, X amount of funds have been transferred, they'll then take the site down. So it's a very, like, like this is a really fast pace in terms of what these scammers are doing, which is why I think some of the, like, you know, longer term lists that get reported um, to some of the, you know, some of these larger entities, these bigger browsers, um, they're not necessarily going to contain the most fresh or the most frequent scams mm-hmm. where folks are actually losing their money in real time. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and last question before I let you go here: uh, Is there any commercial threats that or vulnerabilities that we've seen that that we should be aware of? I know we talked about our MetaMask, or you know, using a, a hot wallet and the vulnerabilities there, approving a smart contract. Is there anything else that we might not know about as common day users on either the front end or the back end for these, you know, these dexes, these marketplaces? No, I mean, look, I I'm a believer in decentralization and and having folks, you know, decentralized. So again, like, you know. Once you feel comfortable going to self custody, I'm a huge fan of doing that and having having tools to do that. I don't think we have sort of any. Um, let's put it this way: I don't want to make any sort of uh, predictions on on threats to to the crypto space generally from a commercial perspective or specific companies, mm-hmm. etc. Um, what I would say is, you know, you want to make sure that you understand where your assets are, who controls them. The not your keys, not your crypto is so true. Like if you, you know, if you have, you need to have your own keys and self custody um, and just really, again, figure out the best way to not just mitigate risk. So like, so basically say, okay, you know, I, I'm not going to get scammed at all. I'm going to take these precautions, but also really reduce your exposure through, again, some of the wallet strategies that you, that you had alluded to. I think, um, you know, most of the top wallets, um, I would say, seem to be quite secure. Some of them offer varying degrees of functionality and, and capabilities in terms of protection. Um, but again, if you have your keys and you're the only person with your keys, that can go a really long way towards you know ensuring your crypto assets are safe. Abs- yeah, definitely. I think the listeners should take note of everything that you just mentioned there. Um, making sure that you double check websites, making sure that you know you segment your, your assets through different you know, hard wallets or, or cold storage and utilize different wallets is very, very important. I think trust check is is a must. I know that there's a lot of people trying to solve that problem where, you know, you're reading, they can't read. I've been to so many NFTs, but every time I read a contract, I don't know what it's talking about. So making it easy is just another layer of protection that, you know, I appreciate. Um, and I, I'm going to look for a trust check <laughs> pop-up notification at every time now. And I'm going to trust you guys to do probably, you know, the hard work and to simulate, you know, what the contract actually says. Yep. No, well, look, obviously we appreciate that. And, you know, it, it, I mean, 
just you know one one word one word of caution too like again as we talked about it's an arms race between scammers and anti-scam tech so even if you you are using one of these tools by the way trust track's not the only one out there 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 are other ones too like we just want this tech to get out there as much as possible um really you know just make sure you understand where you are the environment that you're in and you in by environment i mean you know website you're on uh what wallet you're using what it's asking you to do um we can help with that but again just you know really anytime someone's doing fomo just watch out it tends to be it it, it tends to be potentially uh, nefarious so um again you know i don't like to say dyor because i like you know because i think that's a phrase that a lot of folks in the in the industry dyor standing for do your own research um so it's a phrase that a lot of folks fall back on as kind of like an excuse to not help with these security things right it's like oh just dyor you know and and no if you get scammed too bad um but it is important again to in addition to these tools really just make sure that you understand what's going on and, and that'll educate you and help keep you safer as you're interacting with web3 over the course of the long term so again Thanks so much for, 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 you know, getting the word out there about this stuff. I uh, can't say enough how important it is. Yeah, no, la- last point about your just last comment there. And to your point, absolutely, I agree with you because um, there are some uh, transactions where they need access to your entire portfolio. And it says it on there, oh, it's going to access all your NFTs. And then uh, for one of the NFTs that I own, so this, this one's the artifact one by, by Nike. I had to go into the Discord and people are asking like, hey, it's asking for to access my entire wallet and all my NFTs. And they had the administrator had to go out there and say, yes, we do need future access to this collection for different, basically there's different reasons that they needed it, right? Um, so to your point, even though Trust Check's gonna say, hey, warning, you know, it's gonna access your entire catalog, you know, one, you don't necessarily need to uh, denounce that transaction, say, oh, that's a fraud, you know, like I'm only trying to transact one NFT, which is a lot of times what these um uh, the bridges do, you know, you exchange one NFT for maybe like a redemption of sort. But for this particular example, they needed it. They need to to connect your entire catalog, right? Uh, but where I feel safer of Trust Check is because you have ran the backlinks. Like you you maybe have some like spam traps or honeypots and you know which ones are fraud- well, have been fraudulent in the most recent time. So uh, definitely do your own research. Absolutely. But I feel just a little bit safer knowing that you guys done some additional checks on top of, you know, what um, I traditionally do, which is a lot myself. You know, you probably, I do way more than the average person and checking my NFT transactions. <laughs> Makes sense. No, that's great. Um, and I uh, think, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Please. No, no. I was saying, no, it's been amazing having you on. I'm going to put all the links uh, down below. Be, I would love to have you back in a year from now. It's going to evolve so much. And we're, I know we're going to have so many more procedures to help protect the average person beyond just ex- the web ex- extension that you have. So I'm excited to to talk security because I think we need more of it. I know big companies, as I, when I talked to back in my old job, they just hated the process, right? But it's, ne- it's necessary. Um, and there's no server bullet and it's only going to get more complicated. But, you know, that's what happens when you run your own bank. Yep. No other way to put it. No, that's a great way to put it. Run your own bank. I love, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rick, so much. I appreciate you being on. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.